So uh, I've been poking fun the last couple weeks at uh, at some at, at some of my Cecil County friends. Are y'all okay with that? Can you you been able to handle it? You got thick skin over there in Cecil County. Now you know where these come from. It's down south. You tell Cajun jokes. All right. The Cajun people are the ones you make fun of. And if you've ever watched any of those shows on TV, uh, like the, what's the one? Swamp People. Yeah, you know, it does, it's easy. It's easy to make fun of. Uh, and I could, I could tell, we've got Cajuns in the house today because Tyler's from, you know, from Baton Rouge. So we've got to be careful making fun of the Cajuns. But uh, in, in the South, you can tell Cajun jokes. I can't tell Cajun jokes, number one, because I have a horrible Cajun accent. I can't do it. And secondly, because nobody here would get it, and even if I had the accent, you wouldn't be able to understand what I was saying. So what we do is we take the Cajun jokes and we turn them into Cecil County jokes, all right? So we, we make fun of, the, of Bubba and Billy Bob from Cecil County. So, so are you all okay with that? Is that offensive to anybody? Can you live with it? Who's from Cecil County? Raise your hand right now. Oh, I be, maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> all right. This is a Delaware joke. This is Bubba. And Billy Bob from Southern Delaware. Did I say Cecil County? I didn't mean to say Cecil County. That's not what I meant at all. Listen, I lived in Cecil. I would still live in Cecil County right now probably if the taxes weren't so ridiculous. I moved to Delaware, moved to a bigger, nicer house, and I spend less. It doesn't make any sense at all. But, uh, you know, hey. But I do love, I love Cecil County and horses and cattle and all that stuff. Love all of that. But one day, uh, one day Bubba, he went up to Billy Bob he says, uh, now you, I'm trying these out. These are new ones, okay? So you can boo these if they stink. I'm, it won't hurt my... You got to let me tell it first, jerk face. All right? <laughs> so one day, one day Bubba went up to, to Billy Bob. He says, you know, Billy Bob, I think something's wrong with me. And Billy Bob said, well, Bubba, tell me what's your problem. And Billy, uh, Billy Bob, uh, Bubba said, my whole body is in pain. Everywhere I press on my body, it hurts. And... and and Billy Bob looked at him and says, Bubba, I think I know what's wrong with you. And, and uh, Bubba said, tell me, Billy Bob. I don't know what it could be. What could it be? And Bubba says, he says, Bubba, you need to go see the doctor because your finger's broke. So some of that just went right over. Tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll be like, I get it. I get it. All right, that was bad. Okay, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> You're terrible. All right, here we go. Here's another one. All right, uh, 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 Billy Bob Bubba, man, they're like best buddies, best friends. And um, uh, Billy Bob says, hey, Bubba, did you get that, that parrot I sent you for your birthday? Bubba says, yeah, I got it. It was good. <laughs> Billy Bob says, you ate the bird. And, uh, and Bubba said, of course I ate it. What did you think I was going to do with it? Billy Bob said, man, that, that bird was expensive. That thing spoke like five languages. Bubba said, well, he should have said something. <laughs> now, that's funny. Chris Hodges would say, I don't care what you say, that's funny. All right, so that's a, that's a good one. All right, so we're in this, uh, this series called Just Words. We've been talking about the, the way we communicate, the way we talk to each other, and, and how we want to be people. We want to be people, families, and a church that choose to speak life-giving words over words of death. And we've been following along this, this theme scripture that comes from Proverbs 18.21, and it says, the tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk, I love this translation of the scripture because I'm one of those people. This one just kind of hits me right here. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And so we've been talking about how every word we speak creates one of two things, life or death. There's a battle going on for control of our tongues 
between heaven and hell, both of them want control of, of the words we speak and the way, because listen, words have the power to do so many things. I want you to think about this. Think about how the earth, how, how creation, how you and I were spoken into existence. It, it wasn't just an idea. God didn't wave his hands. He didn't snap his fingers. He spoke. That's the power of words. He spoke into existence, you and I and everything around us. And then he created us in his image, which means that, that if we're in his, created in his image, then our words have immense power as well. And uh, so we've been talking about the power of words. We started out in week one with the truth about words, and we talked about how they cost. The, the lie of our culture is that words are free, that they don't cost, but, but we talked about how they do cost. But we can choose to make words an investment. We can build people up. We can speak life. We can build things up with our words. We talked about how words hurt. Even when you say, but I'm just kidding, we talked about how we shared that incredible scripture with you that says, uh, just like a crazy person shooting into a crowd, it, that's the same thing as someone who lies to his friend and then says, I was just kidding. And, uh, but words can heal, so they don't have to hurt, they can heal. We talked about how words last, they don't just evaporate into the air, but good words last too, and when we choose to speak words of life, we can build people up, and it, and it lasts forever. Then last week, we talked about some, some incredible facts about our words, incredible facts about the tongue. We talked about how the tongue is disproportionately powerful. It's a small thing with a huge amount of power. We talked about how it's inherently evil. The default setting on our tongue is, is evil. We talked about how it's humanly untamable, but it is divinely tameable. God can tame it. And we, we talked about how the tongue is contrastingly productive. James talked about how our tongues, blessing and cursing, both come from the mouth. And he says, hey, it shouldn't be that way. We should, uh, we should always bless. We should always speak life. So, so now we have all this information over the last two weeks. And I told you last week that, that this week was important because unlike other messages that we normally preach here, neither one of those messages really had a strong takeaway, like a, like a here, now go do this, that you can go apply. We just really shared information. And today is kind of the takeaway. Today is the day where I want to share some stuff with you that you can make a decision, you can make a choice, like right now today, you'll be able to make a choice to apply some simple steps to your life that will put you in a position to make sure you're a person that always speak speaks words of life. Now, now we talked about at the end of last week, that illustration I shared with you from my father-in-law, where we, we were talking about how incredibly nice his lawn is. And he said to me one time that the best defense against weeds is not some chemical. It's not something you spray. The best defense against weeds in a nice lawn is strong, healthy grass. And so we all agreed together last week that we want to be a church. We want to be people. We want to be families who fill our lives with so much health and so much life that we don't even have to call out the death. There's just not any room for it to show up. We're just so full of life that there's no room for anything else to show up. So if you haven't been here, I mean, I want to share that with you because that is our heart in this series. And I hope that, like, I get little goosebumps just talking about that. If you're visiting today, that's the kind of church that you've stepped into is a bunch of people who just want to fill our community with so much life, so much of the love of Christ, that there's not room for anything else to show up. Come on, are you with me on that this morning? You're fired up, baby. You know, if I break a sweat during worship, it's, it's going to be on when I preach. It's going to happen. And I was sweating. Could be because I'm still sick, but it doesn't matter. I'm going for it. 
So, so we have this information now. Now, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? What is the, what is the takeaway today? And I want to talk fast because at the end of service today, we've pulled a, we're pulling an ice cream truck up to the curb for an hour. You can eat as much as you want. It's free. All right? It's just because we like you, we love you, and we're glad you're here. So, say, well, what's the spiritual application for that? It's fun. That's why we're doing it. All right, there's no lesson, all right? Jesus loves you. Here's some ice cream. All right, if that works, whatever. So let's look at James chapter 1, verse 26. Pretty uh, incredible verse here, very strong language. And it says, if you claim to be religious, and I want you to circle the word religious and religion on your notes if you're following along, or maybe highlight it if you're using version. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Now, that's strong. That's strong language. That kind of like, that's kind of got some ouch power to it, right? So here's what I want you to look at, because we've talked about here several times the importance of, if you're going to do real, true Bible study, to, to look at what the original text was, look at Greek, look at Hebrew, find the context, and so... Don't worry, we don't expect you to do that every Sunday. We, I, I'll do it for you. That's what you pay me for, whether you realize that or not. And uh, so I actually study for these messages. And uh, so, so that word religion there and religious actually translates to service to God. So when we hear the word religion, a lot of us think like, okay, going to church, calling myself a Christian, we just think that that is what religion is. But the, the, the translation here more accurately says that our service is, to God. And I think probably all of us in our hearts somewhere, we want to be of some use, of some value to God. Amen? Right? Raise your hand if that's you. Just, I want to be of service to God. I want it to have some value. Okay, good. So that, that word is, is service to God. And then the word control actually more accurately translates back to that word we saw last week in James chapter 3, the word bridle. So we talked about bridling the tongue. So let's, let's paraphrase this scripture a little bit. And make it personal for us. Now, this is going to sting a little bit. Don't worry. I'm going to take you on a little journey here. It's all going to be okay. But, but let's just make this, let's make this personal. Let's use the, those, those Greek translations and, and look at it, paraphrase this a little bit. If I claim to serve God, but don't bridle my tongue, I'm fooling myself. And my service to God is actually worthless. So, so what James is saying here is that, man, you could, you could be an all-star on the setup crew at True Life Church. You could be the most efficient stage builder, speaker, setter-upper, wire runner, worship leader, drummer, small group leader, and you could be serving God in that capacity. And James is saying, but if you can't control your tongue, you, you can undo all of the good that you did. You can actually make it have no value at all if we can't get control of this thing. So I want you to see that there's two pieces of responsibility that happen here. Because we learned last week that the the tongue is not humanly tameable, so that's God's responsibility. God's responsibility is taming the tongue. That's on your notes if you want to fill it in. God's responsibility is to tame our tongue. Our responsibility, though, and we do have some responsibility here, our responsibility is to bridle the tongue. And there's a difference. When you go to break a horse, you bridle it first. A horse is not tamed when you first bridle it. There's a lot of work that comes after that for you to end up with a, a horse that's what they call broken, so that you can actually get the horse to do all the things 
that you want to do. So God's responsibility is to tame our tongue, and that doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Our responsibility is to get the bridle on and say, okay, God, I'm submitting it to you. It's yours. Now begin the process of taming it. And it's going to take years, years, uh, 12 years into marriage, and I'm still learning what not to say to my wife. Speaking of, congratulations, Joel and Janelle Mears. Today is their seventh anniversary, so give it up for them. You guys are awesome. Proud of you. Really proud of you. Glad all that counseling I've been doing with you is helping. Just kidding. That's not true. Just kidding. See, I did it. I just did it right there. I broke the rule. All right. (laughs) So God's responsibility is to tame. Our responsibility is to bridle. We said the tongue is humanly untamable. What if I said this to you? What if I said that your soul is humanly unsavable? Would that be accurate? Absolutely. You can't save yourself and get yourself to heaven. But do you have some responsibility in the process? Yes, you do. At the end of the service today, we're going to talk to you about a God who loves you, a Savior who died for you, to set you free from sin, who wants to walk with you, who wants to be in relationship with you. And some of us in this room are going to feel the Holy Spirit tugging at our hearts, and we're going to give you an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, your responsibility will be to say, yeah, me, count me in. I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you save yourself? No, absolutely not. But we do have a responsibility to respond to the grace and the calling of God to salvation. Are you with me? All right, this is good stuff. I don't know if you know how good this is, but this is like really good. I'm going to go back and listen to this myself and be in the car. Amen, Michael. You're such a good preacher. All right, you choose to respond to God's grace and conviction. Bridling the tongue is a similar process. We bridle it, and then God begins the process of taming it. Okay, so so here's three steps, three words that I want to give you. We're going to go quick, all right, that will help you. Begin the process of bridling the tongue. Y'all want to do this, right? You want to speak words of life? Do you want this? Do you want these tools? Yes? Okay, all right. If not, I'll just get the band back up here, but I I want to make sure you want. All right, so so you're like, okay, I like them too. All right, so number one, here it is, ready? And and look look how gifted I was this week. All three of these start with the same letter. Need a gospel organ up here. All right, so number one, pause, pause. Before you speak, pause. Take a break, take a second. Look at this scripture, James 1.19. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to. Now, I want you to notice something that I think is really interesting here. Notice what he connects with speaking and slow to become angry. You want to know why some of us have an anger problem? It's because we have a talking problem. We, we have a hard time when we're in conversation with people, and I'm so guilty of this, man. I, this is how I can talk about it because I'm an expert on this. If, I, I would be so rich if I had a nickel for every time I was in a conversation with someone, and I feel myself start to get heated, and I start to jump out and say my thing, and then the person's like, yeah, that's not really even what I was saying. I was going this completely other direction. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, okay, well, you go, you go ahead and finish that. Really, really sorry. Never happens with my wife, of course. I've never interrupted my wife, ever, ever. 
slow to speak. Everybody say that. It'll just help you. And you've got to say it slow, like you're from the South. Say, slow to speak. All right, slow to speak. All right, slow to become angry. This, this is saying that our anger issues are often tied to our talking issues. So if you want to get angry less, if you want to get angry slower, talk slower. Pause. Take a break. Take a break. Help me out, Kevin. Thank you, man. <laughs> Long night. is Memorial Day weekend. Long night last night. All right. So, so I've been really guilty of this, getting offended and jumping out, talking before we should. And uh, why would we speak? Listen, let me, let me just ask you a question. Why would we speak quickly if our words, with our words, we're choosing life or death? If our words have that much power and that much weight, why wouldn't we pause first to make sure what comes out of our mouth is in alignment with eternity and the kind of life that we want to create when we talk? Here's a little acronym for you. I stole this. This isn't mine. I heard, I heard it from Robert Morris down in Texas. Excellent at talking slow. Um, so, so it's just a little acronym. You can write it down if you want to. It's the word WAIT, W-A-I-T. And it's a good question to ask yourself before you speak or while you're speaking. It's just, why am I talking? <laughs> I've had to ask myself that so many times. Why am I talking right now? Before I open my mouth, why am I going to say, what are, the, what are the results going to be of these words if I let them fly out of my lips? Why am I talking? Now get ready for a scripture blitz. All right, here it comes. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. Every parent's dream to quote, they're going to quote this one to all their kids on the way home. Keep your mouth shut. And you will stay out of trouble. Come on, how many want less trouble in our lives? I do. I don't even have that much. I still want less. All right, Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 17, 27, 20. By the way, when you use the Bible, it's the only time you can say words like shut up from the stage because I didn't say it. The Bible said, all right, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even, I love this, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> That's in the Bible. That's awesome. My stepdad used to say it this way. He used to say, be careful not to open your mouth and let your stupid fall out. That's as his saying around our house. There have been times I just have to beat it into my head. I, I don't know about you, but there's times I've just had to say, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. Just don't, just listen. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Pause. Take a break from talking. Proverbs 18, 13 says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. So let's, let's work on that, man. Let's pause. Let's not be people that hijack conversations. I, I used to be really bad at this, and I'm sure none of you have ever done this, but I'll just share it for, for my own therapeutic sake. But I would, I'd be with my wife, and we'd be talking with, some, with, with people, <clears throat> and, and she would start to tell a story. Y'all know where this is going. And, and all of a sudden, I'd get excited about the story she was telling, 
and I'd jump in and I'd hijack it. And, and the, the, you know all of a sudden because there's a cold wind that blows towards you. And then you look over and there's just this look. And then you say, I'm sorry, babe, you finished talking. No, no, and th- th- this is what happens. It's happened in your marriage. Tell the truth, it's happened. She goes, no, no, you finish it. Go ahead, you're doing a great job. You finish the story. Husbands, let me give you like a great tip here. Pause. Pause. Let her tell the story. She'll tell it. She remembers it better than you anyway. What was that? Was that a good line? Should I use it from up here? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. You can start now. Fresh start right now. <coughs> Sign them up for marriage counseling. $1,000 an hour. All right, here we go. Trying to raise money, man. All right, here we go. Number two. So number one, pause. Number two, ponder. Now, really, I just wanted to say think about it, but I needed to start with a P because I wanted to be cool today. All right, so just think about it. Pause and then think about the words that you're going to say before you say them. How many times have we said something and then after it's out there, you wish you would have thought about it first? Like you do the, I do the fishing reel a lot. I'm like, but once it's out there, man, what's that saying? You can't get the toothpaste back in the tube once you squeeze it out. It's all, you can't, it's not going back in. There's three types of people in this world. Here they are. People who think before they talk. People who think while they talk. That's me. And people who think after they talk. So there, are, there is worse than me. That's hope. There's hope. And there's probably some people who don't think at all. But that, we're just going to talk about these three. People who think before they talk. People who think while they talk. And people who think after they talk. Now, I, I'm progressing. I think I was a after I talk person. I've made it to while I talk. Usually while the words are coming out, I'm trying to process it. But you know what I really want? I think what the Holy Spirit wants for me is for me to move up to that next level, and that's to become a person who thinks before I talk, before the words come out of my mouth, are these words going to create life? Are these words going to, are they going to create, are these, is it going to help? Is it going to fix anything? Sometimes my words create more confusion then they do help. Ask our lead team. They've been in the meetings where I'm just, just stuff's coming out. So we should all work to be the first kind, to think first, then speak. What should I say? How should I answer this? Is it even necessary to speak? Believe it or not, there are times where silence is, is the winner. Just nothing. Let it go. Did you know that the Bible says something, says something really interesting? Y'all know, everybody here knows that we think with our minds. But did you know the Bible says that your mind is not the only place that you think? The Bible says that we also think with our hearts. Think with our heart and our mind. You say, that doesn't make any sense at all. I, yes, it does, because I read the Bible. So I'm going to give you another scripture blitz. Are you ready? Check this out. Proverbs 23, 7. As he thinks in his heart. Heart, so is he. Heart. Mary, Luke 2.19, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Luke 2.35, as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. That's That's a prophecy to Mary about Jesus. But what's it say? The deepest thoughts of many hearts 
will be revealed. Luke 9, 47, but Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to their side. And if you read that in another translation, it actually says he knew the thoughts of their hearts. Matthew 9, 4, Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Matthew 15, 19, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Where did it come from? The, the heart. You, get, you seen the theme here? Here's one that we all know. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than, any, any, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So our hearts can think just like our minds can think. And, and this isn't just a Bible thing. I challenge you, prove me wrong, go home and Google it. Go look at Mayo Clinic. Look at these other places. They're actually finding out now, they're studying this thing called cellular memory. Anybody heard this term? This is freaky. This is freaky stuff that I'm about to read to you. Our hearts can think, and even medical science is starting to notice this. Check it out. When some transplant patients received their new hearts, they discovered that the previous owners had donated a few eerie thoughts as well. After recovering from their operation, several recipients started recounting incidents that occurred in their donors' lives. A 52-year-old man loved classical music, but after being given the heart of a teenage boy, suddenly discovered that he loved rock music. This, I, you can't make this up. A man who received a heart from a woman who was hit by a train started having recurring dreams about train wrecks. Didn't even know how she had died. After a young boy received his heart transplant, he awoke and told his mother everything was copacetic. He had never used that word or phrase before, but later learned that the donor and his wife had used that word to reassure each other after they had an argument. After an eight-year-old girl received the heart of a murdered child, she started having recurring nightmares. She described the circumstances of her donor's death and the killer in such detail that the police were able to capture the murderer who was later convicted. We think with our minds and our hearts. So if we just pause and think before we can talk, check this out. This is good stuff right here. This is theology right here. We can think about it in our hearts and not just in our minds. We can give answers. Listen, wouldn't you rather give answers from the bottom of your heart instead of the top of your head? Wouldn't that be good? Don't you think we'd do a better job of speaking life if we spoke from the bottom of our heart instead of the top of our head? We speak out of the abundance of the heart. That's how the mouth speaks. Remember this. When you get saved, what happens? You get a new heart. So, so you might want to write this down because it's not in your notes, but this is really good. This is a good line. Let your converted heart tell your renewing mind what to say. When you speak, let your converted heart tell your... The Bible says that we're, we're to be transformed daily by the renewing of our mind. So let your converted heart tell your renewing mind what to say. All right, so we... We pause, we ponder, and then lastly, we need to pray. We need to be people who pray before we speak. And I want to show you this encounter that Isaiah has with God in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. 
says, in the, year that King, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. The seraphim is plural for angels, all right? So seraph would be one angel. Seraphim is multiple angels. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Where do I get a set of those? That would be awesome. One called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. This is a good church service. This is fun. Somebody get us a fog machine so we can. All right. And I said, now look at Isaiah's response. Look at Isaiah's response. This is so powerful. Isaiah's response to the presence of God. If you don't get anything else, get this. He says, woe is me, for I'm lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What is the first place that Isaiah feels convicted about in the presence of a holy God? The mouth. He says, whoa, unclean lips, <laughs> and I'm surrounded by people with unclean lips. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having, his hand, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah's, and then we go to Isaiah's commission from the Lord. And he says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom? Shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah's response is, here I am, send me. Now here's what I want you to notice. Isaiah can't respond to the calling of God until first he has an encounter with God and realizes that if God isn't in control of his tongue and his lips, that he'll never be able to fulfill the purpose and the calling of God on his life. We need to be in the presence of God on a regular basis if we're ever going to be people who speak life. And I want to encourage you, man, if you don't have a healthy prayer life, if you don't know what that looks like, we have some great tools. Like you could get into our growth track. The 201 happens on the second week of next month. And we take you through a whole process for developing habits to stay in the presence of God. Because listen, if you're not connected to him intimately, in those moments when emotion starts to go and anger starts to rise up, those are the moments where we need, to, we need to pause, we need to think about it, and most importantly, we need to ask a loving God if the words we're about to speak are his idea or our idea. We need to be in the presence of God before we speak. Isaiah couldn't respond, here I am, send me, until he had encountered God. He had to encounter God. Guys, would you come on up? Band, come on up here. And I want to ask every single person in the room, if you would, just close your eyes for a second. Now, what I'm about to say to you is actually not doctrinally correct, so I want you to understand that right up front. <clears throat> but it's just kind of how I feel. Don't, some of you are freaking out about that. Don't, it's going to be fine. My story, my salvation my relationship with God, it felt like. Now, when you, when you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, 
You asked him to become Savior, Lord of your life. It happens right then and there. But for me, it almost felt like a two-part process because I had a conversion experience where I understood that I needed God in a bad way. But in that conversion experience, I didn't deal with a lot of the issues that I really needed to lay down at the foot of the cross. And so because of the way I grew up, and I shared some of this with you a couple weeks ago, I grew up in a really poor home, um, kind of got made fun of a lot in, in my younger years in school, got picked on. I used to wear clothes to school that my mom made, like she would go get material from Walmart and patterns and make my clothes. And uh, I just never, it took me a long time to feel comfortable in my own skin. It was late into high school before I was okay with who I was. And because of a pattern of feeling rejected and not being okay with who I was, I actually developed a habit. I didn't even realize it. I developed a habit of trying to seek out the rejection and just get it over with before anybody had a chance to, to accept or reject me one way or the other. In fact, like all through high school, I never even tried to have significant friend groups or dating relationships with people my own age because I just assumed that anyone who had grown up with me probably didn't want to be around me. And so like all my friends were either older than me or younger than me. Every girl I dated was older than me or younger than me. That's just, I'm okay now. God's healed me. So I don't want you to feel sorry for me. But some of you have, have been through some similar things like that. There's, there's been some words from your past that have, have damaged. And so what I had was this habit when I would meet people or build new relationships, almost like a shock jock, I would say something to try to just create some distance between me and them because I just figured they're probably going to reject me anyway. Let's just get it over with and see what happens. And, and I would just offend people. And then as I became an adult, I thought it was a gift. I thought it was a talent that I just say whatever I want and I'm a strong personality and people don't have to like it, just get over it. And, and in my high school years, I was, I was saved. I'd given my heart to Jesus. But I realized that I just offended almost everyone I came into contact with. Just offended them like crazy. And at one time, in a, it was in a youth service, in an altar call. I just began to break before God. And I just was, I was so mad at myself. God, why do I do that? And I remember asking this question, am I even saved? Did, am I even saved? God, are you even in me? Do you, how can I act the way I act sometimes and still have you living inside of me? Am I even saved? And, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me immediately. It was one of those times where it's as close to an audible voice as you're ever going to get. And he said to me, you're saved. You just never laid that on the cross. You never surrendered your words to me. You never surrendered your hurt from the past and your, and your feelings and, and all of the brokenness and all of the shame and all of the scars from, from everything that you've been through. You've never laid it on the cross. You've never given it to me. So you're saved, but I don't have control of any of that because you're refusing to let go of it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, that's why I love the words to this song that we sang earlier. Shame is gone. Sin is broken. Jesus paid the price that I owed. Now I am forever yours. I belong to you, Jesus Christ. And so here's what I want to do. In just a second, I'm going to give an opportunity for those of you who may not have a relationship with Jesus to begin one. And then I want to pray over those of you who maybe you're right there with me. You're right there where I was. And you, you love God. You, you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart. But, but there's some stuff with your words and the way you communicate that you've never actually surrendered it and said, okay, God, you can have that. And all the stuff that created it, all the stuff that goes with it, I surrender it. 
I give it to you. Wouldn't you like to get that off of your shoulders? Wouldn't you like to trade your burden for his today? Wouldn't that feel good? It's going to be good, man. It's going to be powerful for some of you. So every eye closed right now, you say, Michael, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. I've never invited him into my heart, and today's the day. I need that. I feel something tugging at my heart. I know this is for me. Would you just hold your hand up right now, and I'm going to pray with you quickly. We're not going to make you come up front. Not going to embarrass you. I see you, man. Good job. I see you. Good job. Anybody else? Hold your hand up quickly. Quickly, quickly. I see it. Good job. I see it. Awesome. All right, all of us are going to pray this prayer with you. This is our way of kind of inviting, just saying, welcome to the family. Welcome to to what we're a part of here in the relationship with Jesus Christ. So all of us are going to pray this prayer out loud with you. You can change the words, make it your own. Just mean it from your heart. Would you repeat after me? Just say, dear Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Everything wrong I've ever done. Cleanse me. Change me. I surrender to you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave. And I believe that from this day on, you live inside of me. And Jesus Christ, you are Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. Heaven just got bigger. And here's what I want you to do. If you... If you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer today for the first time, in the cup holder next to you is a connection card. And nobody's going to stalk you. Nobody's going to show up at your house. But it would mean so much to us if you would fill that card out and just check that box that says, I I gave my heart to Jesus today or I began a relationship with Jesus Christ today so that we can get some material in your hands, follow up with you about your decision. Now I want the rest of us to stand up to our feet. Stand The whole church, come on, let's stand up to our feet right now. Because we're going to just worship for just a quick second. And, and here's what I want to do. If you say, Michael, when you talked about that, that whole, you almost wondered if you were saved and you never surrendered your words to Jesus. You never laid that on the cross. If that kind of resonated with you and, and you're ready to take that step, you say, man, I need to be a person who pauses, ponders, and prays before I talk. Would you just hold your hand up right now just so I know I'm not crazy and that that we're all on the same page. So yeah, hands up all over the place. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing that bridge again. And as we do, I want you just to lift your hands and just between you and God, just make a declaration. God, this is yours. It's not mine anymore. Jesus, I surrender it to you. Shame is gone. The sin is broken. Listen, the curse was broken over your life at Calvary on the cross. The enemy has no power over you. And you can make a choice today to be a person who speaks words of life. Come on, is that what you want for your life? All right.